0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into the first ever episode of Cavalier Wrestling Radio. I'm your host, Jacob Hugley, and I am jacked to be bringing you guys this UVA Wrestling-specific podcast. In this podcast, we are going to be doing, we're, we're going to be covering everything that the program has to offer, right? Coach Garland, Paulson Twins, all the big names that have come come through the program all the big, you know, exciting news that comes to the program. Literally anything UVA Wrestling, if you want to hear about it, let us know. We're going to talk about it. Um, I'm really excited to be diving in really deep inside the program and really getting to know these guys. Bringing on the wrestlers, you know, talking about things that are going on through the season. And, and I mean, I'm getting I'm getting winded right now just talking about how excited I am about these guys. Um, so, we're going to be doing this. You know, I'm not exactly sure how much. Um, I think during the season or probably once a week during the offseason, maybe once every other week or something like that. Um, But today is the first ever episode, and I'm so jacked that we got to talk about Coach Garland and his career and how he got into coaching and just, you know, what made him the man that he is today. So I'm going to give you a heads up. What we're doing for today is – uh, I'm going to have Coach Garland on right in a minute. We're going to talk a little bit about his wrestling career. And then we actually were fortunate enough to get Coach Scott Moore from Lock Haven, the head coach at Lock Haven that has coached under Coach Garland uh, for several years before moving to Lock Haven and having a successful coaching career there. We got Coach Moore on the horn. We were able to bring him on and chattel just a little bit about his adventure with Coach Garland in those early years at UVA. And then after we, after we get away from uh, the end of the conversation with Coach Moore, I'm going to put Coach Coach Garland back on, excuse me, and we're going to chat even more and get into really his coaching career. So you guys are going to get the wrestler Garland. You're going to hear from Coach Moore a little bit more about Garland and those early years, and then you're going to hear it right from the horse's mouth, how it was starting the program at UVA, you know, what all it took to really um, – change his life from you know growing up a really tough life getting into wrestling you know being very centered and self self self-centered coming into wrestling because you have to and then transitioning that to the coaching career where he had to learn how to take care of this whole team and really put his priorities in order and and uh you know it's been a crazy journey for coach garland i'm so happy to be a part of it and i'm just happy to be bringing this to you guys but if you like it Make sure all the content's going to be coming out on Matt Geeks. You can find us on Rockfin. You can find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. But everything's going to be coming out through Matt Geeks. And for all of your other ACC coverage, check out Matt Geeks. But without further ado, the first episode ever of Cavalier Wrestling Radio. Enjoy.
1: So, uh, I've told this story a couple times on couple, a couple different shows, but really it was, it was kind of crazy. So, we, me and my brother, I have a twin brother, and we were late bloomers and, uh, to the sport. I mean, a lot of people start four years old, five years old. These kids I recruit, they've been wrestling forever, but that wasn't us. I mean, we, um, you know, my, my parents got divorced when we were very young. Uh, we bounced around a lot, lived in probably six or seven different homes, uh, apartments, dwellings for over seven years. So we just were really unstable. And, uh, seventh grade, I forget, exactly, I don't even know where we were living at that time, maybe with my grandfather on, on my, my dad's side. And my dad might've had, have, might've have had us at that time. And, and I'll be honest with you. We, we just, the, we started hanging out with a pretty crazy, crazy group of kids and those group of kids, you know, they were all basketball players. It was uh, Dave Moore Heights housing project. That's kind of like where we used to roll. That was like our, our main high hangout seventh and eighth grade. And, um, very, very crazy story. My, my would-be wrestling coach, we met him at, at that project. He had just gotten in a huge fight and his head was bleeding. He's walking around with a pit bull and a weapon looking for the guy who jumped him. And uh, we knew him. We coached Keys and we're like, Keys! We're yelling his name and everything. And, and very long story short, he was just a big, tough dude. And we looked up to that, you know? And, and so that same guy grabbed me and my brother soon thereafter and literally slammed us against the wall in his office and said, you guys you know, wannabe thugs and you guys are acting all tough and you're hanging out with this guy and that guy and doing this and doing that. And, and, um, you're going down the wrong path. He said, I'm going to give you two options. I'm going to put you in my car right now. This is the first option. I'm going to drive you to the Bronx and leave you for dead and see how tough you really are. We're going to test your manhood, see how tough you really are. Uh, and the Bronx is a pretty crazy place or, or, uh, you can come in that wrestling room with me right now and I'll make you, I'll make you a state champion. And obviously I chose option B. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah I'm good with, with this wrestling stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, I mean, it was crazy. He was like, you guys basically called our bluff. He's like, you guys are trying to act hard. You're not hard. He was right. We weren't, I weighed 69 pounds. Who was I going to hurt? You know, but I just, where we were at, like if you didn't put up a front, if you didn't have the right guys around you, you're going to get, you're going to get, a lot of people got jumped in my neighborhood growing up. So I was well, going to be me. And, and, but here's what happened though. When we walked in that wrestling room, It was, every little kid wants to belong. They want to believe in something and they want somebody to believe in them. And Randy, Coach Keys, believed in us. And I looked in his eyes and I realized this man loves us for no other reason than he loves us. I hadn't done anything for him. He just loved us and he believed in us and he saw something in us. And so that first practice, I was wrestling in Reebok pumps. I mean, literally, I wasn't like, remember with the squishy that the- Yeah, oh yeah. On the front? I mean, I didn't have wrestling shoes, I didn't have anything, and it was awesome, man. I mean, first practice, no moves, just headlocks, and remember my nose got busted open, I was wearing a white t-shirt, it was blood all over me. And I loved it. I mean, it's just such a man-boy thing, like little, so all boys do, right? We get beat up and we like it and we're into it. And no one was yelling at us. Nobody was fussing at us. They were actually cheering us on for doing it. So we were hooked right away. Me and my brother were hooked right away. And when you're twins, you get to train with each other, right? So we'd go home and we'd drill penetration steps on my grandmother's bed and we would wrestle each other in the living room and work on moves and, and just dream about it, you know, read about it. And then um, that's how it all started was, was seventh grade and that with, with Coach Keyes.
0: There are a lot of fights when you went home.
1: Yeah. Well, yes. And unfortunately, so my brother, if you saw, I'll send you pictures of him offline. We won't provide it for the interview, but he's a lot bigger than me and he's jacked and he's really mean. He's one of the toughest street fighters that I ever saw growing up. And so I used to lose a lot. I think, I only think I only won two fights against him ever and all the ones we got in and both were like, one was a sucker punch and the other one was the most beautiful left leg lead double I've ever hit in my life. And I cut the corner on that was other than that, I'm like 220 to two though. So my record's pretty bad against them.
0: <laughs> hey, you got a couple of wins. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> trying. <laughs> so like at, at what point, I mean, you say so you started in seventh grade, right? So at what point did you find out like, hey i'm actually good at this like i can do something with this
1: well the first year you know the first year you don't really know i was like eight and two or something but then the next year i went undefeated and it was just junior high little new york but i didn't know any better that's the good news it was like i actually thought i was good <laughs> because it was like little middletown new york but in my mind undefeated right and uh and then freshman year i got humbled i got humbled bad uh really humbled. like didn't even start I didn't even make my freshman high school team my twin brother beat me out for the spot Uh, and then the next year was when 10th grade was when it was like, okay, I went everywhere. I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm doing something special with this thing. So I went to every tournament, me and my brother, this is true. We would not hitchhike, but we would hook up with an older guy, get in his car. We'd scrounge up whatever cash we had. We'd get our boy, Joe Pistone, who's this crazy dude in our neighborhood. And we'd get with him and we'd go wrestle at tournaments. And Joe would go into the grocery store and and steal food from the grocery store. And he'd come out and we that's how we'd eat. We would sleep in the car because we didn't have money for a hotel. We'd sleep in the car wrestle at Northeast regionals or, you know, a tournament in Pennsylvania or whatever, win, and then, you know, eat the food, drive home. You know, I mean, there were some weekends we would, we would walk in the door and our parents, our moms would be like, they knew where we were, but they didn't know. They were like, they had no clue what was really going on. Cause they were working three jobs and trying to support my, my little sister and my, they didn't know they were just working, they were battling. It wasn't they were bad parents. They just, they were working, they were busy. And we were working class people. So that's, that's how much we loved wrestling and wanted to get better at it is we would do anything. You know, I mean, nowadays you ask a kid to go to an open, he's like, who's gonna pay for it? <laughs> and we were like literally like basically hitchhiking and stealing food baloney from the grocery store to to, to survive. So, um, and then what happened was that edge, I got a little edge on me going through that process. And so uh, 10th or 11th grade, I placed at Fargo. I took third at Fargo. That was a big breakthrough performance for me. Being able to place top three at that tournament it was huge. It was me and Tom Minogue from New York were the two highest placers in the whole state of New York. So. And then I was with some legends, you know, I was with some guys that were huge, huge names at the time. So if I could place ahead of them, I thought, man, I could really do something. And then, you know, obviously the rest is history, but that's, that's kind of how the progression went.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you told us a little bit about going through high school, like kind of getting better starting to to realize that you're pretty good placing these big tournaments. Um, you know, at what point did wrestling in college come in the picture and, you know, was it always UVA or were you thinking other places? Like how did that recruiting, Actually, yeah,
1: yeah, that's a great – I actually didn't start at UVA. I started at Central Connecticut State and transferred to UVA. And how? what's really cool is – so I even though I took third at Fargo, I was was the number one ranked guy in the state. My senior year, I I blew it in the state finals and lost. And back then, New York was only one true state champ for the whole state. So it's really cool. But – you know, you don't get any second chances, man. That was it. I went and I blew it and I lost and I got beat. And, and I remember, honestly, this is the the downside. This is part a big part of my testimonies when you put everything into one basket, when you put everything into something and that's who you are, and there's nothing else that matters. I mean, I was so myopic. It was like, there's still something I struggle with. It was like nothing else matters, but this goal. And when I didn't get it, honestly, I didn't even know what the point of living was. I'm like, I, I felt so empty after the state finals match and so disappointed and heartbroken. And I'm not trying to sound dramatic because I know there's wrestlers out there that know what I'm talking about on a bigger scale. You know, this is just this is just high school state championship. I, I was just completely lost, man. And I, I went off the rails for about three months. Um, and my twin brother and my boy, Tim Cornish, who was a NCAA round of 12 guy, who ended up transferring from Central Connecticut to, to Fresno State. But he, he was my best friend from home and my brother. They were going there. So I just went with them. I mean, that's how much thought I went into. I didn't need a recruiting trip. I didn't need to talk. Ken stefan is the coach at central connecticut i'm still really close with called us up said hey i know you guys are broke you guys got great financial aid patches coming i'm gonna uh, here it is he wrote it all out we're like sounds great see you at orientation you know and yeah division one school like good enough for me and and what was crazy though again i I reference god's providence a lot as when we were there they dropped the program and then when they dropped the program. I truly wanted to continue. A lot of people stayed, but I wanted. I really had big goals, and so uh, Kenny DeSephanis hooked me up with a phone call with uh, Lenny Bernstein, and uh, he set the whole. He basically vouched for me and said that I could do it. And Lenny took a, a, a big risk on me because I was a nobody at the time. And I came into UVA as a freshman and won the ACC tournament, got voted Most Outstanding Wrestler. You know, went to the NCAA tournament and 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 and, and built from there. But um, I mean, it's just amazing coming from not even starting at Central Connecticut State to being. Uh, most outstanding wrestler of the ACC tournament a year later and and going to the NCAAs that was a I I I was a pretty monumental shift in things in a a, just a year's time
0: yeah I mean obviously you know anybody that follows UVA knows you know you had a great career at Virginia ended up being an NCAA finalist Um, you know when you look back on your competition career uh, you know what are your feelings around your competition career you know are you satisfied is there anything you would change like you know, what are your overall thoughts about it? Man, I
1: don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Um, I'm definitely not satisfied for sure. I try not to think about me as a, as a comp- competitor anymore because, you know, I want to keep all my focus on the guys I got now and, and helping them and helping them reach their goals. But, and also maybe because it hurts, man. Because no, I'm not sad. I wasn't satisfied. I, I don't, you know, I look back and I did some things, but, uh, you know, I always tell the guys regret is something you never want to hold in your life. You never want to have regrets. And one of, the, one of my speeches I used to give all around the country is called No Retreat, No Reserve, and No Regrets. And the no regrets piece is that you live your life in such a way and you compete in such a way that when you step off that mat, no matter whether you win or lose, regardless of the outcome, you have no, no regrets and you say, I wouldn't have done a thing different. And when you leave our program, my mission for our guys is they leave us, said, say, Coach, I wouldn't have done a thing different. Whether I got every goal or not, I won't do a thing different. I did, I li- I did it the way I was supposed to do it. And, and the regrets that I have is competing in the national finals with – heaviness with nerves with fear with anxiety with oh my goodness man what's my brother gonna say if i lose and you know my mom got all the way out here i can't disappoint her i mean she's i mean it just stu- things that should never go that's that's irrational fear is a liar you know travis my associate coach says at all the time and my mom's not gonna love me any less if i don't win that tournament but when you're a kid and you don't have the right the right people i just eh. And my coaches didn't know because, you know, I'd beaten the number one seed. I'd beaten this guy and beaten that guy. And I'm, you know, strutting my stuff. But, and, and I was great the whole tournament until that one part where I let that, it was a huge life lesson. I talk about it all the time to our, to our guys when I'm trying to help them not make the same mistake I did. Now, and again, what I'm saying is regardless whether I win or lose that match, what I'd like to do is go back and actually compete, compete in such a way to, to instead walk on that stage saying, man, I'm so thankful to be here. What an amazing opportunity. I can't wait to, Max out in the gifts and talents God's given me. I can't wait to sell out and just have some fun out here. What a different way I would have wrestled. Now I I still could have lost, but it still would have hurt. But when you walk off that mat, you're like, man, I gave it everything I had out there, man, you know, and, and, and um, so, so that's a regret. Other things is just, you know, my lifestyle right now is is a lifestyle that I want my guys to live I can actually look them right in the eye and model that out and say the way I eat the way I sleep the way I live the way I train the way I structure my life the way I I, I block off time for bible study and my wife and the way I invest in you guys um, I wish I could go back in time and take that young 18 year old kid and smack him in the face and say don't just do it for eight months do it for, do, make it a lifestyle. The third pillar of our program is consistency. And that can be switched out with the word lifestyle. I want you, I literally wish I could just smack myself in the face and go, this needs to be your lifestyle. Not just during wrestling season. This is who you are because that's who you want to be all the time, all day, every day. Seven days a week, 12 months a year, year after year. And, and um, so that, that that's one thing I, I wish I'd go back and do. But now God's given the opportunity to then s- relay that message to the kids I coach now and say, this is why I'm such a firm believer. And this is why I live my life this way. And this is what the fruit of it, I think it can bring to your life.
0: Yeah. So, you know, kind of going back a little bit to your finals match and you kind of like talked a little bit about, you know, basically putting it all out on the mat and wrestling with no regrets. What, I think you're in a, a unique situation where, I think a lot of people would benefit from hearing kind of what you have to say about it. Um, You know, if you have a guy going into the NCAA finals, right, you had DiCamillo, you had Mueller, what are you telling those guys walking out on the mat? You know, like basically what did you learn from that match? And like, what are you telling your guys, Hey, don't do this.
1: Well, I mean, I'm so glad you asked that because it brings it all together. When Georgie went out there, it was so awesome. We were so relaxed. I said, George, you're going to do that. It's like, I'm going to get to live through you and do it again. I go, and you're going to get a chance to do it the right way. I'm like, we're going to enjoy it. You're going to have fun. We were in his bedroom. It was me, him, in the hotel room, and Jack watching Wheel of Fortune and uh, what's that other show? The Family Feud. We were watching episode reruns of Family Feud, giggling, laughing, talking, telling stories. We went over to the uh, arena early, and I, I, I had him walk around and soak it in. And we took pictures, and we, we warmed up, and was loose. And we had the music kicking. You know? We're like, this is what it's going to be. We're going to have some, and you're going to, and he, and he went out and he gave it everything he had. He lost, but you know what? It was a completely different experience. So we got to do it. We got to do it different with Jack. It was deeper with a little bit deeper with Jack in that I I looked at him and he knows I I got to share the gospel at the NCAA tournament in 2017. And my final, my parting words were to the, to the 300 people I was talking to was, you know, I say this to my guys, the, the guys on my team with faith. I say, you've already won. So go win. You've already won. Wrestle like you've already won, and here's what I mean by that. Again, going back to what I said about my mother, Jack, your parents love you to pieces. Nothing's going to change that. I love you to pieces. Nothing's going to change that. Whether Everything that matters, it's real, in this world is all going to be there tomorrow, whether you win or lose. You can't lose. You've already won. You're rock solid in Christ. You know who you're hidden in Christ. You know who you are. You know your future is set and sure and secure. You know where you're at right now. You know everything. So Man, you've already won you can't lose so go win you know and 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 he was and you know again he went out there he was in a great place mentally it was it, it just he just didn't happen warm that night but you know what I don't think he would have done a thing different in terms of the way he prepared I don't think you have done you know I don't think I think our staff can feel secure in that and that was a good feeling as much as our heart broke for him we all had really good feelings walking out of there as opposed to me personally when I walked off that stage you know years later looking back on I was really I, I had regrets you know.
0: All right, y'all. That's a good segue to now bring on Coach Moore. So what we're going to do is we're going to transition from talking to Coach Garland only. We're going to bring Coach Moore on, and we're going to chat some more about all the awesome stories that Coach Moore has about Coach Garland and his coaching career. So stay tuned. Here's Coach Moore.
2: Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. And uh, look forward to hyping Coach Garland up and uh, revealing some of
0: his past. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Got to get in the some of the deep, dark secrets is, is what we really need to hear. Um, Scott knew me before I came to faith, so unfortunately,
1: he, he, he's a walking testimony to, to being in Christ because he knew me before that. He knew me when that happened in my life, and then he's seen me since. So that animal that existed before, man, thank God that dude's dead and buried, but Scott got to see that guy for a couple of years, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we survived it. That's the important thing. Yeah, yeah. We're
0: better for it now. My God, I can't imagine. I mean, you're pretty wild as it is. I I can't imagine how uh, how crazy it gets. Um, but yeah. So I mean, jumping right into that, the first thing I, I was going to ask you was just kind of, you know, how did you meet Coach Garland, and what were your initial thoughts uh, of him?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I met him through association with being down at Virginia, and uh, I I knew of him previously of uh, having wrestled at Penn State and him you know, making the national finals um, and uh, competing against, uh, you know, some guys from from Penn state and some opponents. So, you know, that's, I kind of knew of him, And then uh, when I decided to go to university of Virginia to compete my last year, uh, you know, I seen his name in the record books and seen pictures of him, and, and also knew that, you know, from, from him working at Cornell and uh, some connections there. So uh, I really got to know him uh, at a personal level whenever he, uh, you know, I, I'd been working at UVA for two years and, you know, the position opened up and uh, there was a lot of conversation around him coming back and him being the right guy for the job and, you know, and uh, seeing the work that he did at Cornell, you know, excited me. And, you know, I was hoping to get, you know, a good mentor in there. And I was still young. I'd been only coaching for two years or not even probably two years. So, you know, I was exciting to meet him. And, you know, I remember getting the first phone call and for me, uh, I was just hoping that he kept me on his staff. You know, I was there and I was like, well, we'll see what happens. And uh, luckily enough, he decided to put the faith in me and, and, you know, say, hey, I've you know heard some good things. I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, to stick around and work with me. And um, so I was grateful for that. And, you know, moving forward, uh, I knew it was going to be fun when, you know, the first couple conversations I had was, hey, you know, here's a letter, send this out to all the coaches. Uh, here's what we got to get doing. Here's my coach's packet. We need to make sure we follow this. And I knew right away there was going to be a lot of structure and a lot of hard work involved, and, you know, we, we got to work right away and uh, certainly was grateful for that. And, you know, some of the stories I'm sure you'll hear, but a lot of long nights and long weekends and uh, recruiting dinners and uh, but just a lot of hype and excitement that we built around the program and, you know, kind of get the thing kick-started to what it is now.
1: Well, yeah. I, I want to jump in on that, Jacob, because I want to make sure I pump up Scott here. This isn't just about me. It's like, you know – First of all, Scott, when, when he was at Penn, when he just went to Virginia, I actually brought Scott up to work Cornell's camp. You probably don't remember that, Scott. Remember that you came up and worked camp Oh yeah. and I was blown away by watching him train. I was like, man, this guy goes freaking hard. I mean, one of our kids was a four-time All-American, Dustin Manani, and Scott was just like ripping his nugget off, you know? I was like, man, this guy's great. And then what happened was every time I was such a hustler back then. Well, I still am a hustler, but back then it was like lunatic fringe. I mean, I was just a psychopath. If there was a wrestling event, I was—I mean, I was all over it. And if there was a recruit, I was going to be in his backyard whispering in his window, and and everywhere I went, I saw Scott. I saw Scott everywhere. And so I, when this hell happened, I'm like, man, a lot of people were like, no, you want to clean out the staff. You want to clean out the staff. Don't don't keep everybody. I was like, I don't know, man. There's something about this guy. If he works that hard in the room and he works that hard on the trail. Why would I not want to keep him around my And he's a stud. He took third in the country and he was pinning everybody. He was 51 and one. It was like, he's a UVA guy. I'm like, this is a no brainer. They're like, well, he's the same size as you. I'm like, what the heck's that got to do with anything? You know, I remember people saying that to me, Scott. I was like, what? What?" You know, so, so uh, man, it's a huge praise that that worked out. And when I called you to talk to you about sticking around, look, look what happened, how fast it happened. So it's pretty neat, man. Again, God's providence. You know, I didn't know exactly, neither one of us knew exactly what we were getting into, but it sure worked out
0: yeah um sorry i cut you off coach no that's okay Okay. i'm good um yeah i mean the the next thing i was going to cut you kind of helped me transition into it right talked a little bit about coach moore's career 51 and one the one seed um all american for uva uh i mean at what point did you coach Moore, decide you were going to get into coaching and what was that transition like from uh, you know your last year at uva to getting into coaching
2: yeah, it happened pretty quick, you know, at the national tournament after finishing up. Uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I had some options and, you know, I was talking to some different headhunters and, and different coaches, depending on which route that I ended up going. But uh, I decided just kind of, hey, man, it's, I put a lot into wrestling and I found a new love for wrestling when I came to Virginia. Uh, you know, I was at Penn State for four years and I wouldn't say a burnout because I always loved wrestling, but I wrestled so much that I because I loved wrestling, but then I kind of got I wouldn't say sick of it, but just sick of the process at Penn State, so that's why I ended up at Virginia, and I found a new love for the coaching and training aspect of it, and then I really bought into the business aspect of uh, what it takes to run a program, the fundraising, the recruiting, uh, the inner workings of financial aid, and, and and the things that are important to building, and you know, that's where I think Coach Garland got me excited about what we could do and what we could accomplish together, and two guys that uh, would work until the job was done, two guys that would work until you know, they had every recruit that they wanted to get. And, you know, so that was sort of a, a perfect match for us. And we bounced ideas off each other. Uh, we were both kind of had our own strengths and we, we, we you know, we got along very well, but we also agreed that, you know, it was going to take a lot of work and a lot of hustle to, to get where we were going. So, you know, I found a love for coaching and really never looked back. It was just a, a drive that I had that matched Coach Garland's intensity that, you know, it was just every day. And it just doesn't happen anymore. And I know I talked to Coach Garland about it now. and you know, But it just, that doesn't happen very often anymore, about just finding guys that will work from 7 in the morning till 7 at night and then go home and make recruiting calls and then do it all weekend. You know, it just, you don't see it as often. So we always joke around about it. And, uh, but I think you know, that's what drove me to want to coach. And just the success and the impacting lives and also meeting people. You know, UVA is a great school. And we, we've met a lot of great people down there, alumni and guys in our program and a community and business. And, uh, so meeting those people and changing lives and being a special part of somebody's future, you know, really uh, helped me continue to coach and still drives me to this day.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, obviously it was a great decision. Got you where you are now. Um, but you know, when, I'm trying to think, you know, when that whole thing was happening, because that had to be kind of crazy, you know, you're at UVA coaching, and then all of a sudden, there's the, the head coaching change. And you said, like, you didn't even know if he was going to keep you on or, or what was going to really happen. Um, in, in your mind, you know, what was your plan? Did you did you look elsewhere? Or were you just fully committed? Like, I really hope he keeps me on, you know, I've been around this guy a little bit, and I really like what he's doing.
2: Yeah at the time I was still pretty young and I think I was confident that whatever happened I would land on my feet and uh you know my wife was down there at the time we just got married so it was we liked the area we wanted to stay there I had a great experience at UVA and I think there's something to be said to to work at a program that you graduated from or work in a program that supported you through your your educational uh career and that was that was my purpose I felt like that was home and I could make a difference and I was giving back to a school that gave me a great opportunity to compete and get a master's degree. Uh, but yeah, at the time it, I, I really wasn't worried about it. Uh, I think, you know, there's some other options and uh, I'm sure my wife would have liked to move back to Pennsylvania sooner, but it was a, a perfect match. And, and, you know, just hearing his excitement of what he wanted to do with the program, the things that he wanted to do to turn it around and uh, some of his goals got me excited right away. And uh, I was sold from the start and, you know, and committed blindly for, you know, over four years and, Uh, Just had a great experience and learned a ton.
1: Scott, I can't believe you remember the coaching packet. I had that whole plan. Remember, I had the I had the five year plan, but then I had the first six months. I literally had the first six months of what we were going to do mapped out. And me and you were on the phone constantly, like, "All right, man, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to get with the coaches. We got to make Virginia." And we're just, I mean, and we followed it to the T. I still have it saved, a hard copy somewhere. I've got to I got to dig that thing up, man.
2: Well, you got to be careful. I I had it for a while and I still probably do somewhere through, you know, through interviews and different things where, but if you show that to an assistant coach now and say, well, the head assistant does this, the second assistant does that. And it's like 12 or 13 things long, you'll scare some people off. So uh, (laughs) it's, it's like the every day, every morning, you know, to every team, what you should be doing to build a program. But I think uh, the structure and that design is good when you're trying to build something and, and yeah. it's something that you can rehearse in your own head. And then, you know, you're following the right steps. So you're just confident in what you're doing. And uh, you know, th- those are the things that I, I still remember the packet. I remember thinking, man, this thing is, you had a lot of faith in it. You know, you brought in like, this is the Bible. This is what we'll do. And you know, th- that's what I think more coaches need to do in order to have sustainable programs long-term because it's in writing, it's on paper. And you know, those are the steps that it takes so that was important.
0: Yeah, um, man, like <laughs> coming in, having that like crazy packet and all that kind of stuff, I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. you guys are buds now, what did you, at that moment, was there any time where you were like, this dude's crazy, I gotta, I'm checking out? Well, I think it was the crazy
2: that brought me to work every day, I was like, what are we gonna do today, what's, what am I going to get to witness today? Like, what are the <laughs> things that I get to see today? And there were some fun conversations, you know, and, and just the way Steve handled certain guys on the team and the way he ran workouts and uh, just being in those conversations for me, it was like, enjoyable. I was like, well, what am I, you know, what's going to happen today? And, you know, that was, so I was kind of like the guy that was kind of working behind the scenes and and would do what Steve asked, but then I would always want to see what he was doing or just to kind of learn the trade and, and not only that, but pick up some of the things that I think maybe uh, were taking up his time that he could spend on other things. So that was enjoyable yeah. for me. But there, there was a lot of fun shows. I mean, I tell some of the stories about some of the meetings he had with the athletes or the talks that he had with the team after a team loss or uh, some of the workouts that, that he would put the guys through and he would jump into. And it's, you just, you don't see it these days. You don't see that type of passion intensity. I know Steve still has it. I mean, I think he still puts out the same amount of energy, uh, but I'm sure he's cleaned it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, the, man, praise God. The mouth is cleaned up and the, and the message is cleaned up. But I, it's funny, Scott, me and Scott used to wrestle every single practice, live, crazy. Shoot, we would have battle royals. Remember we used to do Monday battle royals where we would, we would literally, everybody versus everybody. It was heavyweight versus 25 pounder. You had to fight because our team needed to get tough. So we're like, everybody's got to fight everybody. No weight classes. So yep. Scott would, I'm not kidding you. Scott would be Matt returning our heavyweight. He was like 240 pounds and giggling <laughs> and Matt returning them. And I'd be cheering him on. Like, it was like coaches versus the athletes at one point. Cause we were just like, these dudes need to, they, they need a whole overhaul. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of things that needed to change. So I won't Scott, go any further than that, but there was a couple mornings where our guys were, they didn't like us too much. Let's just say
2: that. you' <laughs> can only imagine. I, I would love to hear some of the guys like uh, uh, Scott Smith and Mike Salopek and some of the guys that were in the room that, you know, we, we used to wrestle these guys all the time, but, and these guys are very successful now, you know, these guys are yeah. doing real well. And, and I think just the energy and, and the work ethic and the, you know, that we showed them in the room, I think brought them to a new level of intensity and just, you know, coming from a, a good high school program, but then stepping it up in college and, uh, those guys overachieved, and that's what I think we were most proud of. Is the guys that we brought in? We brought in some great recruiting classes, but we we're we're happy that those guys overachieved and um, you know went on to be very successful at all levels in and wrestling life business. And uh, but there's you know one particular story. Uh, we were at the Virginia Doles and we lost uh, to uh, I think it was Arizona State, but I'm not real sure. And I think we should have beat them. And uh, I thought Coach Coach Garland was foaming at the mouth. Uh, telling people he's going to send, you know, sign their transfer papers. And it was probably the, I still tell the story, but it was the most intense talk I've ever seen. And I was, (laughs) he ripped his uh, sweater vest off and was foaming, foaming at the mouth. And it was scary for me. And I was, you know, obviously he was on staff, but uh, some of those guys, I think on the team uh, got the message. And I think we rebounded after that, but the the early days were painful because we were competitors and we put, we were putting all the work in, but it wasn't paying off early because we you know our recruiting classes hadn't come in yet and you know it takes time to develop a program but uh those were some of the fun conversations and the 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 conversations with some of those guys and just what we expect out of them and and yeah. Yeah, I think it paid off in the long run and now we're now obviously we saw that success and they're seeing it now
1: yeah huge piggyback off that Scott is the expectation it was an expectation thing it was it was wanting for more. It was having these goals. It was process. I mean, you know, Scott prided himself on wrestling a million matches a year. So that first year we were together, it was two, first two years actually, we went to every open there was. Remember that, Scott? Remember rolling no. into the Penn State Open? We went to University Nationals one year. First of all, when I talk about switching culture, when I was in school at UVA, nobody wrestled freestyle. There was like, whoa, I shouldn't say that. Jim Harshaw, a couple guys, but like there wasn't a real big following. When me and Scott came back, we everybody if you had a heartbeat you were on that bus going to akron you were wrestling we had 22 guys one year and 11 all americans in one trip to university nationals you know we there was you had to get on that bus and go we had walk-ons that were like members got a couple of the guys they were like they didn't even really want to go we're like oh you're wrestling buddy and then they <laughs> walked. we're like you know so in other words we want and here's why we weren't trying to be hard bus we were trying to get them to understand that you got to love this stuff we love this stuff and that's what he means by passion. We walk in that room. That's the positive side of it. Is we're trying to get you guys to understand that this is the good stuff. This training stuff, this heavy breathing, this is good. This is good stuff. This wrestling all year round, that's what we want. So now the fruit of that is now it's so normal now for us to have, you know, 23 guys, 24 guys. We had 26 guys here last summer training, uh, what, five competitions, two, six-week cycles. And the same thing Scott does at his school. But that's what we do now. That, that's just industry standard that's what and it does as scott was saying that first year was 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 hard it takes time but once you get that in place it just pays dividends down the road because that's just who you are
0: yeah for sure so i i have to go back real quick for one second uh you, you mentioned you guys used to wrestle all the time who came out on top no no we didn't wrestle each other <laughs> no we, we no. wouldn't wrestle each other oh come on never it, happened Me Scott did wrestle each other
1: in the office one time and i got cradled in our and uh the baseball staff uh, came they walked in they go what are you guys doing we we neighbored them our, our offices were up against each other we were in there going live in the office and they walked in they're like what are you guys doing <laughs> i got Is this like, is so. a
0: planned live match or did something just go wrong in a recruiting talk or like i
1: forget what's prompted that one it was like scott was like you can't finish that on me i was like
0: "You can there's something stupid like
1: that and then i shot on him and i didn't finish it i got cradled but <laughs>
2: We we had we we knew that both the way we were we were riot, wired it was not a good idea for us to wrestle each other so we just nah. we would just we would cheer each other on as one wrestled somebody in the room a bigger guy we would just cheer him on and yeah. and laugh and I mean it was it was a fun room to be around and I think the guys in the room got the the most enjoyment out of watching us compete and it's one thing to sit there and tell your athletes to do something but when you're doing it with them whether it's the cardio the wrestling the lifting and I know Coach Garland can still. uh uh, shoulder press 100 pounds because you know I've seen him do it and I, I think that's what these guys loved it when the coaches trained alongside them they just gained a, a, another level of respect and that's that's that was very important to us
1: yeah yeah I mean the first run we ever did the first humpback mountain run I did it in no no joke this is no lie I did it in dress pants and dress shoes a belt and a, and a dress shirt just to prove a point I, and I, I think I was like top three in the run. I'm like, it was, I'm like, we're, we're freaking, you guys need to understand there's no more excuses. There's no more. Well, I don't have the right Nikes coach. They got Nikes. So I don't have the Nikes. on. I need the Nikes. It's like, listen, bro, you can, if you want to go do something, you go do it. doesn't matter what you got.
0: that's awesome. Uh, man. So I've, okay. I, I mean, first thing I was going to get at was you guys kind of hit on, like recruiting and stuff a little bit. And like you guys both, Coached a little bit before you got with each other, right? Uh, Coach Garland up at, at Cornell, and then um, Coach Scott at UVA. But in those like early years, coaching, like, what I'm wondering, like, how you kind of formulated your first years of coaching, and like how your coaching philosophy and style and all that kind of stuff has changed since then. So, like, what are you looking back now, and you're like, wow, I was doing that completely wrong, or you know, that was that was great.
2: Well, that's I- a great question. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think but mostly our styles mesh pretty well because we are a little bit different in our approach and it, the Cornell system. And then I didn't have, I mean, my system was a little bit different, but uh, we kind of integrated the two together, and it worked out really well. I mean, it, from, what, from looking back, and I think we both uh, believed in each other's system, so we both were able to implement that, and, and the guys picked up on that. I think when you support your staff, and the technique they're showing. and and I, I think it goes a long way. So it, it, it was pretty seamless for us. But um, a lot of what I was worked on was a hand fighting, and um, you know, obviously top work, but just heavy hand fighting, just battling guys kind of Big Ten style. And, and and Steve worked a lot with underhooks and knee pulls, and you know, we both did a lot of work on top. So it it was it was pretty mutually effective as far as that goes. And. Um, You know, same thing with recruiting. Uh, I had a niche with recruiting PA guys. Uh, Steve from Cornell recruited everybody from everywhere. So it wasn't unusual for him to fly out to Washington or wherever, Missouri. I mean, we would fly all over the place uh, on the drop of a hat, just, hey, we're going to go fly up to New York tomorrow and go visit this kid and then fly back. You know, so those are the type of recruiting trips that we were on. But I think overall technique, style, the way we trained our guys, I don't think we had a lot of... Uh, conflicts in the room, and uh, it it was pretty effective.
1: I for, think for, one one thing too that that we both learned together how to do better as we went forward was packaging a message to a guy individually, um, especially bad if it was bad news, in a way that was more palpable, in a way that was um, more of a build up, a hard truth, and love. Whereas when we first got together, we weren't there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of love coming. It was it was hardcore, but we actually realized as Scott had his own children, as I had my own children, as we, you know, the sanctification process of marriage, which is just crazy. You know, you, you really learn what you don't know when you get married, you know, and you learn how hard you are to live with when you, when you move in with somebody. So we both were young married couples too. So we were going through all that together and that gave us a deeper appreciation for our athletes as humans. You know what I mean? Gave us a real deeper. And so by the end there, I mean, like our guys, we had really deep relationships with our kids. I mean, Scott, I'll tell you right now, all that first two classes, you mentioned Scott's name in front of any of those guys. They'll go through the roof, Salopec or Nelson or Harris or, you know, Chris Henrik, any of those guys. So um, that's – I think that was a nice evolution for us as as coaches, for sure, that we then – then I carried, you know, through the years, that Scott's I know is carried to Lock Haven. So what yeah. –
0: like – I know you guys had some really good recruits those first couple of years too, like – what was it like going into these, these kids' houses? And like, what were you telling them when, you know, again, both of you guys, you know, in those first couple of years are, are kind of just starting out again, you know, like uh, obviously you guys had had a couple of years before, but I feel like you both were kind of like still, you know, pretty new to it when you're starting out at UVA. So like, what were you telling them to get them out there?
1: Well, I mean, here, here's the thing, like, uh... We were, we, I, we, I was joking about this with Scott earlier today. We were the two low, probably two of the lowest paid coaches in the country, both living in apartments. We didn't have a budget. We had nothing. I mean, it was just what we, but what we did was we sold them on a vision of what it could be and what we believed it would be. Right? So when we walked in the house, we said, listen, here's who I am. Here's where I've come from. I just fresh off fourth in the country with, with Cornell University. We're pumping out NCAA champions every year. Scott was a hair away from being a national champion. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's competed at the highest level. He got a master's degree. He's very intelligent. Here's our plan for you. Right? Here's what's go, what, it's, what it's going to look like. We're going to do this. Here's how we're going to do this. So you can't just set a goal. The first pillar of the program is focus. You have to have actually plan to reach that goal. So we'd lay out the plan for the kid and how it tailored to them specifically. I think me and Scott did a really good job of explaining, this is what it means to you, though, to you. This is what we're going to do for you. Uh, and, then at, and then here at UVA, you're not just going to get one degree, you're going to get two degrees, an undergraduate and a master's degree, you know, and so that, that system is now carried on where we've had 34 guys get master's degrees since, since, we, since 2006, that's insane. There's no other team in the country that's even close to that. Um, and so that's, that's, that's the system. But you got to do this, this, this to, to make sure you execute that system. And, and, and we, you know, we had Chris Henrik, for example. At first, those first two recruiting classes produced okay. three All-Americans and two or three other round of 12 guys. So you had six guys in the top 12 out of two classes. That's pretty awesome. And then that class then builds off itself and leads to Nick Solzer, and, and who's three-time All-American, and George D. Camillo NCAA Finals. And Blaze Butler was a two-time top seven seed at the Nationals. And that then leads us to get Jack Mueller, right? So it builds off itself. So the recruiting was the number one thing we focused on. And and how we and, and when we went in those houses, man, we were selling ourselves, and we were selling a process, and we were selling how it pertain to them, I think. At least that's my recollection of it. Yeah, I,
2: I would agree. It was, it was I think we made it fun, but they knew – I think we sold the value of the education uh, and we sold the value of how much effort we were going to put into develop, developing each individual. And I think the parents bought into that, you know, we, we had the recruiting process for us wasn't like it is now where, you know, I think it's just, it's shortened so much with these early commits where you can get a good kid over a, a visit, a, a couple, maybe a home visit, and a couple phone calls and an offer. I mean, that's back then, you knew that you had these kids were taking official visits, in September and October, so it was, it was a process that lasted three, four, five months. And then you'd spent 48 hours with them. And then, you, you know, so it was, it was a long, drawn-out process. And when we invested in guys, they knew it right away because we were writing letters. Uh, I would write letters every single day. So some kids would get a handwritten letter uh, every week from me. And I would do that throughout the whole process, even after they committed. So it wasn't just, hey, we got you on board. Hey, we'll see you next uh, August. They, they would get letters from us phone calls with us. So we were very detailed and committed to the growth throughout the process because when we wanted them, when they got on campus, we wanted them to be ready to compete right away and understand what we expected. So that communication continued on. And I do think it's changed a little bit now just with the timelines and uh, the early commits and the way things work. It's it's kind of crazy. But uh, back then, I think we made the most out of the time that we had and and put the effort in and uh, and we had a lot of energy, and we, we laughed, and I mean, I remember at Chris Hendrick's house, they had a big Labrador retriever, and Steve was so nervous, he kept petting this dog, kept petting his dog, and I'm looking at Chris, and we're kind of laughing, and next thing you know, Steve has a, a ball of fur just coming out all over his shirt, his pants, and meanwhile, I think he's somewhat allergic to, you know, to pets, so it was, it was, <laughs> you know, a comic relief at the time because he was a big recruit. I mean, he was a top two or three recruit in the country and uh, it was a big sell for us. And, you know, even back then, another thing is that we got guys to come to UVA for what I would say would be less. You know, guys were coming, uh, number two or three guys in the country were still paying 10 or $12,000 a year, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. So nowadays, you know, that still happens, but that was unique for us is that we would not commit to giving guys more than a certain percentage because we knew we had to build a team so the strategy was there we all I mean I knew I could probably still go across every single guy on the team and how much money they were on I knew it at like the back of my hand you know from 23% to 48% to 78% 50% I could tell you to a T every single guy what it was on and so that was I think the respect that we built with each other just knowing the program inside and out made a big difference
0: yeah well, that sounds like that's that's probably also really helped you guys get the guys you wanted to get right. Especially if you're open with them and let them know like, Hey, you know, we can't give you you know, a full ride or whatever, because we got to save some money so that we can actually build this whole team. Um, I feel like that would really kind of help, uh, you guys pinpoint the the kids that you want, you know? Um, and I've heard, I've heard coach Garland talk a lot about the kind of guys that he brings on board. And I, I feel like that definitely helped. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I know we're kind of running short on the time we got for you, Coach. So uh, you got to tell us, you know, we heard about the the office wrestling story. Is there anything else, any other crazy stories or anything? I'm sure there's something that uh, something you took from your time at UVA with Coach. Well, I I
2: think the the chaos of recruiting was what just draws my attention. Uh, You know, we we would get in the car and we'd set up recruiting visits from PA to New Jersey, New York. We would just get in the car and go and never really – unfortunately never plan ahead other than just, Hey, we'll be at your house here and your house there. And we've gotten to a couple of situations where we're, you know, in the middle of nowhere and still don't have a hotel room and hotel rooms are sold out. So, uh, you know, we get whatever room they had at any hotel that was available and share a bed. And, um, and it was, it was fun for us. So, you know, that was, it was creative recruiting. We just go until we see as many guys and uh, that we could get on that certain visit. But, uh, Heather, I think just
1: Scott helped me a lot with fundraising, man. We were always doing donor stops, so we would package like four home visits with like three, two or three donor stops, and then just literally run out of gas, like mentally, <laughs> physically, financially, and just go we'll stay at the Red Roof Inn. We'd be sleeping in the same bed, at the Red Roof Inn, you know, on the side of the road in South Jersey somewhere.
2: <laughs> it, it, you lo- it's not about what you have; it's about the the energy and the effort you put into. And I think early on, that was a big sell for us. And we both came from basically nothing. And, you know, it, we got where we're at from working hard and believing in a system and being confident. And I think we combined those skills together and, uh, it was definitely, uh, definitely exciting. And, uh, you know, if you, if you learn from everybody that you work with, you're going to go a long way.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, keeps nice. I'm sorry. People keep calling in here. Oh, you're good. No worries. Thanks,
1: Scott. Appreciate you, man. Sorry to take up your time, bro. I'm so glad we got to do this though, man.
2: Good work. Well, Hey, good luck with everything, guys. I'll let you swing here and uh, keep in touch and we'll talk to you soon. All right, bro. Take care. All
0: right. That was some great stuff. We just got to hear from coach Moore. Now let's take it back to coach Garland to hear about his coaching career. I know from personal experiences, you know, hardships that I've went through kind of propelled me into coaching. And so how did that, how did that go for you? You know, like when did you decide I want to be a coach and how did you know, everything that happened in your career, uh, get you to where you are. So
1: this is maybe too much humility. Maybe this is just too much transparency, but I didn't get into the coaches for the right reasons. I, well, how I got into it to begin with is, is Lenny Bernstein helped me, you know, Lenny Bernstein, uh, coach Bernstein vouched for me. And he called Rob Cole, who they were best men in each other's weddings, So they went way back and, and he, he stuck up for me and helped me get that job. And I don't think I get that job without coach. So he and I are still really close to this day and I owe him a ton. Um, that but the reality is this when i started there i was a young hotshot punk kid that cared about himself i was every human being is selfish but at back then i was even more selfish than most i was 100 percent focused on i wanted to be the best i want it was all about this right and, how, and all accomplishment and goals and and what happens is you can do that and accomplish a lot of things and we did i got national coach of the year and you know rob and i did a lot of great things together And we had a lot of i had a lot of stuff on paper on my resume but i was as empty as i could be uh and and as a matter of fact the emptiest i ever some of the emptiest moments of my life at that time were when after we accomplished something and when that high wears off and it's it's two days later and you're by yourself in your apartment in the dark and you're like oh my goodness who am i why am i here where am i going and what's the point of it all you know would you every human being has to come to grips with origin meaning morality and destiny you know see see it's about those four the every and and, and if you don't have an answer to those four core questions you're going to be in trouble and back then i didn't when it all changed is in 2006, when seven, when me and Scott were working together, Scott Moore was, um, you know, when, when basically I got humbled to the point where I, that, that year was really hard for me. It was the hardest year of my life professionally and personally and financially everything. And I got on my knees and I cried out to God and everything in my, in my life changed at that point. And I started pursuing him first as opposed to me first. And so that's when my why for coaching, the real why for doing it. Uh, came and that's when the 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 real purpose i found my for my real purpose on this on this earth and what how wrestling ties into that and so that's when for me right around 2007 2008 is when coaching changed completely and and i am very grateful for what's happened from there from that
0: yeah i think that's really cool i just kind of made the connection something else somebody else i've heard say pretty much that exact same thing where you you kind of like you know you had this high from reaching this goal and then all of a sudden you're sitting in the dark like okay what's next uh was it a year ago or something, Jaden Cox said the same thing, right? He won a second world title in a row, like basically not getting beat for two years. And then same thing. He said, you know, sitting and by himself at home, like a day later, like, okay, like what now, what am I like? um, I think that why is really important. Like you're saying, like that's, you got to know that, right? If Your Um, why is
1: not right. Nothing's right. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, So, you know, you you talked about, you know, going to Cornell, um, you know, you got that job through your coach at UVA. Uh, during your time at Cornell, you know, what was it like working under Coach Cole? What did you learn from him? I mean, he's a he's a legend in the sport. So, how was that whole experience? It was awesome. I
1: mean, I I me and the Paulsons were in the sauna this morning, and I was telling Cole stories, and and there's so many. I mean, there's so many. But here here's here's the best things I say that came out of it. He drives you like nobody you've ever met. You will never people. People say they work hard. They say they're grinders. They work hard. They don't know what work is, man. So you work for that dude. You know. And, and I brought that same, I carbon copied that and brought it that first few years at Virginia. Scott, Scott Moore used to write letters. I had him handwritten letters every single day to recruits. Um, every day. It's not every week, every day. Handwritten. You know, this is old school. We used to go old school meet him, you know, and that, that was the old school Rob method was you were an absolute animal and nobody was going to outwork you. And it was almost obscene. I mean, there was, and there was some damage to that, some collateral damage with my wife and with other things. And, but, but when you work for him, you're going to work. I mean, he pushed you to no end and, and, and there was no job too small. You know, we me and him would go in on a Friday and this is at the time we were ranked second in the country or third in the country. We had beaten Oklahoma and Nebraska and Iowa state. We had beaten, or maybe not Iowa state, but I mean, I remember all these teams we beaten all these dual meets and we had all these ranked guys and Travis Lee was a national champ. So you would think we'd be above that, right? No, no, no. When you came in his, when you walked in the Friedman center, the first thing you did on Friday was meet him would shop vac and vacuum the entire arena. The two of us, no help vacuum the arena. I mean, you know any other yeah. any other head coach assistant coach combo that you know of that does that? I mean, I don't. Maybe maybe,
0: but absolutely not. No. I
1: mean, I mean, we, that's that's what we did, and 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 it built a sense of humility and a sense of service and a sense of man, everything matters. Everything matters. We would do that, and then we would we would suit up and we'd warm our guys up and run practice, and then we would go in and make calls till midnight. I mean, that's just. Um, it was, it was, a it was the best training grounds for a young, dumb kid who needed a lot of structure and a lot of help. And, and the thing about Rob is the more you work, the more he rewards you, the more you earn, the more he, he builds you up. And so, you know, Rob was in the, a big reason why I got the job at Virginia because he, I remember him on the phone with Craig Littlepage. I, I, I could hear some of it. He was in another office with the door shut but I could hear a little bit through the door and he was, the things he said about me to my future employer was. I mean, it brought tears to your eyes. It was, it was amazing. And those are things that he, he meant, you know, I remember him telling my mom at our wedding things about me that I had never heard anyone say about me, you know, and telling my wife that I was the best assistant coach he ever had and and here, and here's why. And, 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 you know, things like that, that, that mean a lot, trust me, people act like people's opinions don't matter. With people you respect their opinion matters. And I respect a great deal. So, um, it was, it was, it was a lot of work and it was, um, and, 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 you know, the other thing I learned from, him, he's always a forward thinker. He was always six steps ahead of the game. You know, he was the guy doing clubs before clubs were hot. He knew the RTC was coming down the pipe before it was, he was the guy that was playing TC three. I mean, it's crazy. The things he was ahead of the game on, uh, that's not my gift. That was his gift. I was more of a soldier, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, he just had the uh, the partnership with the Spartan race guy up there with the RTC. I mean, yeah. yeah.
1: That's totally something he does. Yeah.
0: Just ahead of the game, man. Um, so like what, I mean obviously there's a million lessons you can bring back from working with him, um, but you know when you made that transition over to UVA, was there like one thing that really stood out that like I, you brought over, or was it just kind of like you know all the general ideas? Is there anything well, I, like stuck out really?
1: I had a plan, so I think a lot of, man I gotta be careful because I want to insult. There's there's a lot of great wrestling people, but some of the some of the best wrestlers I've met like pure wrestlers like just animal awesome studs. Not, not you know. There's some great ones, but some of them are very arrogant, and and they just, I got, it. I got. Yeah. It. In the of them, they do have it, but when you're running a program, it's not just showing single legs. It's not just high level technique. You got to have a system. You got to know. I mean, you're balancing financial aid. You're putting out fires. You're working with admissions. You're you're fine, you're fundraising. I mean, what you're you're always. I, I Travis and I were having a hard tart singing the song about it. I'm always working on the program,
0: yeah.
1: not in the program. Sometimes on the program macro six all, all these different angles that nobody sees putting out the then i put out fires in the program and then i'm wrestling in the program and then i'm recruiting in the program i'm doing the zoom call to to nail it down the, the, the top recruit and and then i'm meeting with this guy and then that guy and then the senior staff meeting i got tomorrow at 9 30 so i'm in the program there but then i'm always constantly on the program does that make sense and they're two different things yeah and so that's that's what a head coach has to be able to do is he has to be able to constantly be playing chess and not checkers and again it's that's hard for me um that's a daily grind i mean I, I i was joking with you before we started this i woke up at three o'clock in the morning last night sweating through my sheets because my mind never shuts off unfortunately when you're a head coach everything's your fault everything's your fault and and so you know whether it be covid or this guy we got no tests this week and we got to and four people we got to get him back and how do we get this and this guy's sick and i got to make sure this guy's okay and this guy's girlfriend broke up with him and i mean you're just It's just, it's just, it's constant. And so it's really hard to shut that off. Um, And so now, you know, Keith Gavin and I talked today on the phone. He knows exactly what I'm talking about now, but he didn't when he was an assistant, he admitted that to me. I don't know if he admitted that on air, but he admitted that to me once he goes, Steve, all those times when I was like, ah, it'll work out. He goes, now I know. Now I know, now I know why you act like that. It might not work out. And then it's on me, you know? And and you don't get that till you're the boss boss, you know, until the buck stops with you. Um, And so I'm very fortunate that I have, Travis and Trent Paulson, who we really, really are close, and we really love each other, and we have each other's backs. If I didn't have them here with me, I'd probably jump off a bridge. I mean, I'm not kidding, because it's just sometimes it gets to me, you know. You're never the good guy. You can never give a kid enough money. There's always a guy who didn't get the wrestle off. There's always a guy who didn't get the starting spot. And guess what? They never get mad at the assistants. They get mad at you, because you're the guy. And after a while, that gets tough, you know. And and so you really have to be rooted and grounded again in that why, and rock solid in that, or else – Sometimes you're just like, man, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. golly, I, I don't need this, you know? And and um, so you, you have to be rooting in ground on something deeper than just wins and losses, for sure.
0: Yeah, no, that's something I've been like really wowed about talking to you and some of the other coaches around the ACC is like, you know, before just being a pure just college wrestling fan, you know, I'm thinking, wow, how hard these guys' jobs are, you know, to get their programs to where they're at. And I didn't even realize half the crap that you guys do behind the scenes. So um, yeah man, I mean, there's a lot that goes into your job. And, and, uh, yeah, I I can definitely see, um, also you are talking about kind of like, Oh, it'll, it'll take care of itself. It's one thing when you're the assistant coach and then, you know, when you're the head guy, you're the reason it takes care of itself. Right. Um, man. So did, you know, when you were at Cornell did, I mean, obviously coach Cole's still there and right. I don't know how long he plans on being there and everything, but, um, you know, were you ever thinking past Cornell? Like, was it more of a hey, I'll stay at Cornell till uh, Coach Cole is gone, or, or you know, was I'll move on and you know get a job somewhere else, or like what was that kind of transition? Yeah.
1: Funny you ask that. Troy Nickerson was a was a huge recruit that I was, you know, very close with. We wrestled every single day for two years, two and a half years straight, and. And he was really heartbroken when I left Cornell. And I tried to tell him, though, that – because this is the truth. I wasn't going anywhere. I, honestly, I'd probably still be at Cornell if it wasn't for Virginia. The only place I'd ever leave Cornell for is UVA. Yeah, that, it was, for me, it was two options. It was either I'm going to – because I don't care about titles. I don't care about money. Uh, I know it sounds really like fake humility, but it's actually true. If you know anybody that knows me, it's weird, man. I got I – got, for some reason, the money thing was never big for me. And either was titles and power. It was more about – um. I, I you know what I can work for if Rob says Steve, you did a great job today. Believe it or not that means more, that means a lot to me. I'm serious. And I wanted to be I wanted to achieve something I want to be good at the job. And so you can make me the second assistant to the traveling secretary as long as I have enough to live on and I'm going to work just as hard as if I'm the head coach making 100 and something thousand dollars a year. It's it's the same thing to me. And people don't believe that, but it's the truth. Anybody that knows me, knows me, knows that. Is I, I go very, 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 very hard at whatever I'm doing because I, I want to do the job great. I want to do it well, regardless of what reward I'm getting out of it. And praise God for that. I think I have a lot of really bad tendencies and a lot of bad traits, but that's a really good trait he blessed me with. And um, so, so for me, it was... I didn't care if I stayed there forever. It, it, you know, but Virginia was my dream. That was always my dream to go back home. Like, like, you know, Scott will say this too. It's like there's something about coaching at your alma mater that's special. And so, and, and I love the Charlottesville's. Trust me, man. Trust me. I'll, I'll take you out here and, and I'll show you this place yeah. one day. It's breathtaking. It's the most beautiful place. I think it's paradise, man. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at a panoramic view of my dining room table of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the background. I mean, it's just man. awesome. And so for me, that's, I was either like, I'll either be out there or I'll, I'll be at Virginia, but I really honestly didn't think about anything else.
0: So how did that go? Like, you know, obviously you kind of said like, I, I'm, I'm staying here. Like, this is where I want to be unless UVA comes up. I, I've heard you talk about it a little bit before, but you know, what was that situation like? You know, did you hear from UVA or did coach Cole kind of tell you, Hey, this opened up? I know that he kind of like, um, was a little, was, part of your decision to, to take the job too so how was that
1: well it all happened really fast actually so it's crazy I think so first of all coach Bernstein he had you know he had coach Scott took third in the country coach me second in the country coach Harshaw and Jim Harshaw was an All-American and Matt also we had individuals a lot of great individuals and had done some great things and we were really close we were close to winning an ACC title but never were able to break through but towards the end end there it was a couple of years where it, they just had a couple of rough years and um you know, and and so things were things were in a in a in a rough spot, admittedly, especially that last year. And what happened was, I got a call after NCAA's um, by Craig Littlepage, and and I I you know you hear grumblings and stuff, but I I didn't know exactly what was going on. And I got this call, and I was really taken aback by how fast they wanted to do it. I mean, he was like, "No, no, I'm flying you in like this week. You're coming down for an interview. Um, there's only two applicants. There's only two guys we're looking at, and you're and you're my leading guy." I need to get you down here fast. And I said, Craig, my wife is nine nine months pregnant. She was past due. And he goes, well, let's do it. <laughs> so I flew down there not knowing if my wife was going to, you know, give us our first child. I didn't know what was going on. So, and he rushed me down there, flew me on, on a flight for, from Ithaca to New York City, from New York City to Charlottesville. Landed in Charlottesville. I spent like 12 hours with him. He flew me right back and I made it back in time for my wife. My wife gave birth two days later. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and, and, and Rob was... In the meantime, talking to Craig and, and making sure Craig knew that I was the right guy for the job, and and Rob took me outside. I, I got I got scared. I, admittedly, I was like, "Dang, this is a big opportunity." But I, when something like that happens when you're 29 years old, I think you get a little taken back. And he gave me a pep talk. He took me outside the Friedman Center, and said, "This is this is your job. You're the guy for it. I've been, you know, you're ready. You're going to do fantastic." Basically, the pep talk, and said, "Knock it off. You're going to go. You're going to go crush this thing." And that's all I needed to hear. And then the next day, I was going down.
0: That's awesome. Cause that's, I mean, that's just a testimony to how awesome coach Cole is. Right. Cause he could have easily selfishly been like, no, I I want you here, stay here. Right. But he told you, you know, go on, you're the right guy for the job. That's awesome. Um, So how, you know, when you actually got down to UVA uh, you know, how was that whole process starting off? Obviously, you know, you're brand new as a head coach, you've been actually coaching, but like you said, like, you know, you don't really know what all goes into actually being the top guy. So, you know, what was that transition like?
1: Yeah, well, I kind of referred to it earlier when I was sharing a little bit of my testimony. It was really hard. I mean, it was, I had a great plan. I had a concrete, solid action course of action. I mean, I literally had the first six months of my all laid out by category. I mean, I I was, Scott Moore can tell you how I made the staff, like basically study this. I called it the Bible of Virginia wrestling. It was like, we are doing this, and this is how things are going to get done around here. Um, but even with that, to your point, you can't ever be prepared for first day I'm on the job. I got moms calling me, uh, yelling at me because their son's not enough money. I don't even know who their son is. Dad telling me that he's, he's going to rip my head off because I don't increase his son's scholarship. And another dad telling me, well, Lenny promised him this. And what are you going to do about that? I'm like, what? I mean, one guy called donors, call me and say, Hey, you need to fire these guys. I'm like, sir, I, I love you, but you can't tell me who to fire and who to hire. No, nope, you're yeah. going to you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And learning how to hold my ground when to hold my ground and also submit when I needed to submit, learning how to admit when I was wrong, learning to ask for help because I was a very proud person back then. And, and I think every man struggles with pride, but I was really struggling with it. And I got humbled. I got humbled hard. And, and I always tell my guys, you learn way more in the pit than you do on the mountaintop. And it was when I was in that pit of humility that the biggest changes in my life happened. So I just learned through making a lot of mistakes, uh, baptism by fire, man, it was a really rough first three or four months uh, at Virginia. And um, yeah. And so that's, I, that's all I really want to say about it. Cause it's like drumming up some bad memories, but it was a rough year. <laughs> and I actually apologize to some of my athletes. When I get a chance, I like, go, well, I was a really hard person to be around. I apologize to my wife. Hey, I was a really, I was such a psycho. I don't even remember the first year of my daughter's life. I, I honestly, I, I have I don't really have a clue what, what really happened because I was so psychotically fixed on building a program. And and by God's grace, I'll never go back there again. I don't, I don't wish that on anybody to live like that. It's just not, it's not a good way to live.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, out of all of that, like, I'm trying to, what was the hardest thing? Like, you know, you, you had a million different things coming at you. Um, you're you're going to make all these mistakes. Like, is there anything that you're like, if I could go back, I really would have focused on this one thing because I really didn't do well at it. Or, you know, I'm just trying to pinpoint like taking over as a head coach, like I guess is it just the breadth of all the responsibilities yeah. that you have?
1: It was, it was, it was the hard, it was, you know, and a lot of you know, some guys we all have different gifts in accordance with God's grace. And so, you know, like um, you know, Travis Paulson, for example, my my current associated coach is very good with uh conflict resolution. Him and Trent are amazing at it. I would say it's one of their greatest gifts like they can sit down in a very tense atmosphere and stay completely calm and be able to work through it back then i would just blow off the, blow off the handle or i would get upset or i would get offended too easy and you know um i i would say that was the one the big thing that i learned the hard way uh of not to take things so personal i'm still struggling with that a little bit but i mean it's it's it, that that was huge the work what the work wasn't big deal for me like most people are like man i'm overwhelmed i'm so busy i'm like I would just, I just always been like that since I was a little kid, since my, my training in high school or my training under Rob Cole, I was always the busiest guy in the room. So that, that wasn't it. It was more about the, the, the other things that, that you don't really, you're not prepared for when you're the bad guy all the time. Cause when I was an assistant at Cornell, I was everybody's hero. I'd walk into the hotel, the party afterwards at nationals. Hey, it was like Norm from cheers. Everybody loved me. And when I was an athlete in Virginia, I, man, I ran the place. I mean, everybody, you know, knew everybody. But then when you're the bad guy all the time, that weighs on you. It weighs on you, you know? And so I had to learn, I had to learn that role. And then what happens though, is as I went through, as God changed my heart, as my why got right. And as I started to really, truly understand the value of relationship, man, I started getting really close with my guys. And, you know, John Fousey and Matt Schneider, two of the guys that come to mind are both doctors now. Their lives were transformed under our leadership here at UVA, and tr- truly. And, and I was so close with those guys. And then that Nick Souza relationship, then George D. Camillo, we're still text each other all the time, Instagram, I mean, and then Jack, who you know how close I am with Mueller. I mean, it's yeah. great, right? And so, so that all happened over time. That didn't happen right away. That happened over, over long periods of time of, of real, authentic relationships
0: yeah absolutely that that's another thing that surprised me kind of getting into relationships with you guys it's like you know we have group texts for these kind of things so obviously i see how you and jack talk to each other and it's uh it's definitely it's like you know i don't i don't even know like it's not what i thought of getting into it what was going to be like a coach and an athlete in college it's like best buds you know um so it's, it's really cool to be a part of man but uh You know, you've had a lot of success over your time at UVA. I mean, you've been there, what, 15 or 16 years now? Um,
1: This is year 15 right
0: now. Yep. You're 15. Um, Man, I mean, I'm just looking at some of the the things you guys have had. You've had 13 All Americans, uh, 19 ACC champs, 82 qualifiers, two NCAA finalists, uh, been top 25 in the NCAA, seven out of the last 10 years, uh, two ACC team titles. So, uh, I mean, you've had a lot of success throughout there. What sitting here, looking back at it now, um, you know, how has your, your coaching evolved from the early days to now? Um, and kind of like, what do you wish you knew when you started?
1: Well, I think a lot's evolved. So much has changed. I'm just a different person. I mean, we, we joke with Scott all the time. Like he, he has some stories from the vault that I hope he keeps in the vault from the old Steve, but the new Steve is a completely different changed man. I mean, I'm, I always joke that old Garland, I don't even hang out with that guy anymore. I mean, he's dead and buried. I mean, I, um, I'm just, when I wake up in the morning, my first, the first thing out of my mouth is Lord, you know, I, in my head is I, I just want to step off this bed and please you today. And in doing that, I have to love you and love people. Well, loving people's hard to do sometimes. And so I need to love the hardest guy on the team to love. I need to love him harder that day. And, and, and then, you know, my staff and I need to make sure that it, even if it's a hard truth, I need to make sure I give it to them and give it to him with love and respect and gentleness. And I need to then coach my team like that. I need to not be short with them. I need that. And so it just goes from there. So everything's changed from that standpoint. Um, the X's and O's, Man, it, it honestly, I think the only thing I I would say that this changed too much because that that base of work ethic, that base of passion, and that base of going hard is is all still there, man. And the only thing I would say is I I've learned how to release the reins mm-hmm. and not be such you know like you know I was telling Travis today in the song I'm like once I go you guys run the lot majority of the practices you guys you know are managing the techniques a lot of times and especially freestyle and so. I've learned to do that. I've learned to take that step back where I couldn't, I couldn't do that when I first got here. I couldn't do that when I was a young coach. At 43, and, and hopefully God will give me a lot more years, I've learned how to say, hey, you know, Keith Gavin, you got the whistle. You know, hey, Jordan, you're guys today, you know, and, and, and really truly believe in that, you know, as opposed to just doing it as fake humility. Actually really saying, no, this is the right thing for the program. And so being a little bit more relaxed on that and, and knowing that the world's not going to end if we don't have an All-American like, I remember when George C. Camillo, I told you a story in 2017 when he lost in the all american round. No joke. It's the worst hurt professionally I think I've ever felt. Like, I was so messed up from that. And, I, and you know, I had people in my life love me enough to say, you, you should never get like that again. That was unacceptable. Knock it off. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, give me a break, you know? Yeah. So uh, it, it should hurt, but you can't go that far over it. That's, you know, and uh, so le- learning those types of things, putting things in proper perspective.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're kind of winding down to the end. I know that you got stuff to get to, so I don't hold you too much longer. I got, I got a couple more for you. Um, you know, what are you most proud of in your career?
1: Oh gosh. Well, there's a, one thing I'll say is all the guys that are now head coaches, you know, Scotty Moore is a head coach at at Lock Haven, where his, his wife is from. And he loves that area and he's happy. And he's so, it's just so happy. I'm so happy to see him so happy. Um, Manny, Manny Rivera is in California, where he's from, at Bakersfield. Head coach, he was with me, uh, and I remember before he left, he tears in his eyes. He's not an emotional guy, but he had tears in his eyes. He's like, Steve, you've done so much for me um, in my walk, than you have, than you'll ever know, and and I had no idea. I had no idea that I had that much impact on them. You know, Alex Clemson is now a head coach at Maryland that was with me for four years. And, and, and uh, you know, gosh, Keith Gavin's now the head coach at Pitt, his dream job. So seeing my, my guys that I worked with that are now getting their dreams and they're now leading their programs, um, not to say that I had everything to do with it. I'm just saying it's cool to be, have been a part of that, right? And the Definitely. second thing is I'm really proud of this. And you've heard me say this before, man, my guys are killing it when they get out of school. I mean, they are doing such great things. So I put together a sheet recently of all the guys since 2006 that I'm still really close with. And there was like so many guys on list, and what they're doing and all the different job titles. And I've got guys serving in the, in, in the service and air force and army and Navy and, and, and CEOs and businesses and doctors and orthopedic surgeons and, I mean, it's just so awesome. I mean, I, I mean, to do, to see that that's just guys that I've coached, That's not including all the guys that have come before me here at Virginia. Right. But just the guys. So what a cool thing to be a part of, not to mention all the guys at Cornell that still keep in touch with me. So it's 20 years of guys that I had some small part of that are now living out their dreams and doing great things in life. And it's like, that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, that's pretty cool. And there's, I've had a million failures, you know, I've, I've had, I've had fell in my face a bunch. Uh, but to see those, you focus on the positives and it, it, you know, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. No, that's cool to hear that from you. Uh, I mean, again, like just, I I keep being surprised just as a fan of wrestling, the the responses that I get from you guys is, you know, the the things that you're most proud of are your guys' success in life, right? It's not, Oh, I won that, you know, ACC title or whatever. It's, I made good, you know, I I made these guys that I got into better people when they left. Right. And they had great lives and they're, they're doing these great things. Um, I think it's also cool to hear about uh, all the coaches that that you had around that have now gone on to take uh, head coaching jobs. I mean, your your coaching tree is getting up there. It might be rivaling John Smith's one day. Um, hopefully, that'd be cool. Wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, the Paulsons will be. You know, they could be head coach if they want. Jordan Lean could be a head coach. So there's, you know, hopefully it'll continue to grow.
0: I know Jack wants to. So. Um, oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be exciting down the road, man. But uh, um, I'll, I'll leave UVA fans with this one. Uh, what can UVA fans look forward to in the 2021 season?
1: Wow. Man, that's, that's, that's a good – I wasn't, you caught me off guard on that one. <laughs> uh, out tough, out attack. I think you can, you're going to see, you know, guys like Brian Courtney, who's a buzzsaw, he's going to be flying all over the mat. It's going to be wild, but he's going to be going crazy. Louis Hayes is going to be a Tasmanian devil. You know, um, Denton Spencer is going to be throwing boots from everywhere. And J.A. is a gosh darn orangutan. I worked with him this morning. He's an orangutan. <laughs> uh and 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 seeing those types of things and um you know so that that i think is going to be going to be pretty special seeing the way that our guys compete i think that's going to be
0: the
1: that's the thing we're going to be very very happy with god willing
0: yeah man well i'm i'm super excited to to see it all go down i'm gonna have to make some trips up there and uh and take you up on that that trip around charlottesville i gotta i gotta see the place but uh I, i that's all i got for you today coach i know that you got a lot of stuff going on i want you to get back to your family. Uh, thanks. but thanks for joining, man.
1: Thanks for the show. Thanks for doing this. This show's awesome. I love the show and uh, great
0: questions. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. And that concludes episode number one of the Cavalier Wrestling Radio. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Hughley. Make sure if you like this content, go out and follow us on social media. Matt Geeks is going to be producing everything Cavalier Wrestling Radio Live. So any podcast or any bit of information that comes out pertaining to the CWR is going to be straight through Matt Geeks. So do me a favor, go out, Twitter, Facebook, follow Matt Geeks, Rockfin, sign up. It's free to have a free account. Everything CWR is going to be free on my Rockfin account. And you can watch the videos. You can even get a little bit more in depth with everything. I highly encourage you to find it there if you just want to listen to the podcast that's freaking awesome i'm down with that that's what i do go to apple podcast smash that subscribe button and then leave me a rate and review that's the only way i can figure out how to do this thing better i really appreciate the support guys and again if you're a cavalier wrestling fan and if you have a topic that you really want to hear about make sure you shoot me a message on social media i'm all over it. i want you guys to get the content that you deserve so let me know And as always, go Cavs.